0: What's going on, everybody? I am very excited for today's episode of Big Thing. I get a chance to talk to Freddie Prince Jr. I haven't spoken to him, uh, shit, I think since the Collider days. So very excited just to catch up with him. Um, Reached out to him and said, hey, let's just shoot the shit. Because that's honestly, uh, honestly, I, haven't, I wanted to talk to him about Bad Batch and see how that whole thing came about. I want to see what he's doing. Guys like a master chef want to talk to him about that. He's gaming. He's doing so much shit. I haven't got to uh, catch up with my buddy. That's really what I want to do here. And I hope that you guys are going to enjoy it. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, make sure you follow us there. And if you're not already subscribed to the channel, man, you should be doing that. Hit the subscribe button, follow us there, make sure that you get the notifications, do all that. It's the big thing. It's Freddie Pinch Jr. coming at you. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's a big thing. And I told you guys, I told you I wasn't gonna do any digital shows this year, and I lied to your faces. All of your faces. But I figured if we gotta be stuck in this thing, let's do it with some friends. Let's do it with some cool peeps. And one of those cool peeps, the one and only. Freddie Prince Jr. is here, ladies and gentlemen. Freddie, what up, man? What's up, man? Hey, are- you
1: you said shit twice and burped in the first 30 seconds of, of your show Good. you're just allowed to do whatever you want when it's your show
0: i got a plate full of tacos right next to me too but i'm Ooh, not gonna- yum. i'm not gonna eat on air Yeah, dude this is why why do you think i left collier so i could burp and-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well just ask me a question that you know i'll go long on and you can at least shovel one taco down
0: no, dude. I, I someone I just told. So you know, I'm I'm doing stuff with Skybound now, and I told him, I said I got Freddie on, and oh, I love Freddie Prinze I said I said Freddie is very zen to me. That's that's why I like talking to you, and I like. So I'm not going to. I would never. I would never interrupt one of your stories with a stinky taco. I'll have to just leave. I'll have to eat it cold later. But um, so much I wanted to talk to you about, and so many things that you've been doing, and so much that we really haven't. I think shit, man. Last time we were actually did, like did a show together was at Collider, probably like three, four years ago at this point, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. You went and did another like solo one and I came in and sit down da- and sat down with you. Yeah. I think Burbank is the last yeah. time. And that was a couple years ago, for sure.
0: At least it was at least three, four years ago. And I think, so I was at Collider for a bit. And then I basically, what I wanted to do was combine that type of show with the other shows that I was doing, but to be able to do it on my own, on my own terms, really just to be able to do whatever the hell I want to talk about. And that's kind of what I'm doing. So I I had no idea, had no clue that you were going to pop up in Bad Batch. It was it was awesome, <laughs> and, you, and you kept it you kept it quiet as obvious. But they didn't they didn't even try to like shield your voice as a younger kid. And like, well, who gives a shit? It was like it was like here there he is, and and Caleb shows up. So how did that all come about?
1: So it's yeah, it's been long enough now um, that
0: I I guess I,
1: I mean I don't they don't really get mad at me when I say stuff, but right. but uh, yeah. So Dave. I think someone else called first or reached out and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then Dave had mentioned it casually when I was doing something else. It was maybe some, uh, some like Canaan ghost stuff or, or, or something. I can't remember when, but, uh, he said, you know, if we ever do a young Canaan as Caleb, I would love for you to sit and work with the actor and let him kind of get your cadence and your flow. And I was like, Oh yeah, that'd be sick, man. Yeah. And then, you know, like a year went by and I never heard anything about it. And then I got a call from Dave and he knows like, if he wants me to do it, he has to call. Like if Disney, had, I'd be like, nah, man, I'm good. And if anyone else can be like, nah, man, I'm good. But I can't say no to Dave because Dave fought for me when Disney didn't even want me to voice Kanan. and uh so for him it's always a yes it's it's never a no and so some time went by and he called me and he said hey would you come in and do a track on young caleb and just you know do what you can with your with your voice i just don't want it to affect your performance and uh i can play it for the other kid and then if it's just really good then i'm just gonna use yours and i was like all right cool yeah and so i came in and it was like I think he I think he was working on on Mando at the time and uh we busted it out and his number his number 1 was there. I can't remember this is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And we went in and did it and it was really emotional. It was you know, I didn't have access to the whole script, but the scenes were like crazy and it was 90% animated. So I was able to see a- everything really outside of the huge force jump at the end which they weren't done with the background on it yet and that helped a ton and then i just went in and let myself get real vulnerable and and had a lot of, of genuine emotion that <laughs> that required tissues yeah. at, at the end and i and i you know i did my best to uh to lighten the voice and you know i said if you want to help it digitally do what you got to do and dave was like i don't ca- i don't care he said that's too good, and I'm not. I'm not messing with it. And then he put it out there, and uh, I actually never even got to see it. I don't get to see as much of the TV stuff as movies, oh. just because I've never been a TV, a TV watcher. Really, I play video games or tabletop games oh. or movies. Um, so I, I know what the scene, I know exactly what the scene looks like. Cause like I said, I, I saw 99% of it and I was literally looping it as if I had acted in the movie. So I got to see it live. I got to see it before any of y'all got oh, to see you, you it, but it. that, but yeah. that was it. That, that was, that, that was it for me. And, uh, and Bad Batch, I haven't seen any of the
0: episodes. Oh, wow. So, so since, so since your arc on with Canaan ended, has your I, mean, I know you love star wars but has like the because you were really you, you know the, the reading up on it and when we used to talk about it on whether it was counts whatever too so you were there was so much of the philosophy because you were in the middle of working with dave and learning all has your have you kind of tapered off a little bit from star wars since leaving it you know anytime i leave something for whatever
1: reason i take a break and the best yeah. example i can give you and i i talk about this in my new in my new wrestling podcast uh, which is wrestling with Freddie, but I, yeah. I talked about when I left the business, I couldn't watch wrestling again for like Same. six to nine months because I saw how the magic trick was done. And it's not, it's it, there's just something weird about it. I, yeah. there was a scene in uh the movie with Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman where they're both magicians. Um, yeah. I don't remember the name of it, but not the illusion, illusionist, but the other one, yeah, right, right. So, so he has this scene with his with his girlfriend or soon to be wife and he's going to do a bullet catch and she's like i'm not letting you do that you get killed and he's like no i'm not i'm a magician i'm a pro don't worry and she's like no i do worry and he's like fine all right i'll show you how it's done and then he shows her and he goes the the bullet was never in the gun and then she kind of looks and she goes oh, when you say it like that, it's not so special. And you just see the look on his face. He's just like, oh, my God, why did I even share it with her? You yeah. know. Yeah. And, and he was the brother that wasn't in love with her, so it was easier for him to get angry, right? So once I saw how it was done, I had to take a step back and kind of let new faces come in because when I was watching, I was more concerned about their career than I was interested in the show, right? I'm like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. Do I please have a good match. I want you to make a good living like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was unnecessary stress attached. And then after a good break, I got I got back into it and started to see new faces and saw the women's division like explode. That was right when I c- came back into it. And uh, and then I, I got back in full time because my kids dig some of the matches and they have a couple favorites that they like.
0: I was the same, man, like I because when I when I worked there, I mean, I worked there a lot shorter than 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 you did and the stuff that you were working but i but i were when i I, same thing i was a massive massive fan and i think i told you the whole story and how i got the gig with talking to paul Heyman and all that stuff too and then getting the gig once i left i went way longer than you i was out for i stopped watching from 2001 until like 2000 and like 15 sure so sure and and the only reason i think i came back to it at all was because of the showdown and because i was <laughs> that's uh,
1: right that's yeah.
0: right and to be able to write the, the storylines go because you'll see it if you watch any of the showdown, you'll see bash of the beach stuff you'll see you'll see tons of shit the, the mega powers explode all of it it's it's all in there but um but so yeah so i relate to that very much so and speaking of are you working with them again or you're just doing your because you, your podcast i was no well,
1: like, i i heart i had a friend who works at i heart and she said Hey, I used to love when you did uh, fill-ins on ESPN Radio. Would you be down to do a podcast? And I was like, Yeah, sure. Y'all got to pay me, but I'll do one. Yeah, of course. And uh, so she called me up, and they sent me some ideas. And it was like, Here's a family podcast. Here's a, a tabletop RPG podcast. Here's a podcast where you you bring in the actors that you worked with, and you talk about your movies. And here's a wrestling one. And I it was an easy. I would, there were two that I wanted to do and, and they wanted me to do a wrestling one wrestling was one of the ones I was excited for. And so I did it. And, uh, just started talking about my entrance into to wrestling period through my grandmother in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And then my entrance into WWE, uh my exit my re-entrance and my re-exit so uh so yeah man i i'm not working with them right now but i got a lot of love for them and i'm doing some stuff with xavier over at g4 pretty soon and uh he and i became really tight i ran a a dnd game for him and his up up down down crew and we just we became super tight and became really just Cool. like we text each other pictures of our kids ideas that we have you right. got the g4 job he's like hey you want to do this crazy thing on g4 i was like yeah dude i'll do anything him and dave feloni those are the only people like those yeah. are the only two that i those do the two.
0: for me from, from yeah but it's <laughs> you have you have a person from each place that, you, that, that you've that you worked so you have like that one person like, <laughs> okay yeah fair enough uh, fair enough well so because on your show though too because i, I honestly i didn't know enough about it so i want to i'm gonna i'm actually subscribing to it now but oh, um thanks yeah man of course so i wanted to do you, on your show do you only cover WWE? Do you, do you cover aw and all that other stuff too
1: um i don't cover any of the shows right now it's right oh, now it's a ton of stories from my experiences oh. there and then I, every once in a while i bring a wrestler in and then we discuss the whole wrestling business in general oh, I so love that. i've had woodsy in i've had big show i've had the bellas because they give me like a lot of credit for bringing them up and we kind of had because they put people over, but that's not how it went down. Like the real story was, they knew their damn value, and we're like, "Look, you're bringing us up, or we're leaving." I had tried to bring them up three previous times, but it was them saying, "Yo, we'll walk." That made WWE go, "Oh yeah, of course, no, coming up, coming up. Oh yeah, we got something for you right now. Write it quick, write something." So it was, you know it's cool stories like that where I get to just kind of put them over. I had the Miz on I'm talking to Jericho on Monday. So yeah, yeah man, just, I I have a soft spot for, for two types of people, stand-up comedians. Yeah. My father was, was one of the best to ever do it and professional wrestlers. And I look at them almost through an identical lens over all other art, over movies, music, theater, everything, because it's different every single time. It's a live response. And if they're not liking it, they're not liking you directly. It's not like a movie, man. Like you get nine, six to nine months to figure out how you feel about it before anybody else has even seen it. So the opinion doesn't affect you. But when you're on a stage or you're in a ring, it's a different story, man. If they start screaming, you suck. And it's for the wrong reason. That's because they hate you. And they yep. don't want to watch you wrestle, and that's that's scary, scary stuff, man. It so is. that's
0: look, look at look at the Rock, look at the Rock, and yeah. how when he when he comes in and Rocky sucks, Rocky sucks, and he's thinking, "Oh, my career's over." And then he becomes one of the biggest stars of all time. And you got to be able to pivot because no one and and that's that's the beauty of it too. And working with wrestlers and seeing how some of them are trying to work and trying to get there, it's the business to me is is very. And I'm sure you guys talk about this very different now. I was there in 2001, so very different then than it is uh, today, but. One of those people, it's funny because you bring up Jericho because you know, Jericho is in the You showdown. Know Jericho, well yeah. he's in the now. So and and Jericho was also um he was one of the guys when I first got there that I pitched an angle to and like, well, the angle's not bad, I go pitch it to Jericho. And Jericho shot it down like real quick. And <laughs> we talk about that, we laugh about it. He's like, Yeah, probably because you know, Jericho's been very vocal about like you know, the, the writing stuff and things. He he's old school, you know, yeah. uh, on the way that they play that. So I you're what the way your two sentence like pitch even though you weren't really pitching it of your show is more fascinating to me than covering the actual matches all the time because that's the inside and and obviously you're you're a great talker too but i think the the idea of hearing that the behind the stage and not just from somebody that was there doing it like as long as you did but i think also be get that perspective of a big show jericho people like that that's pretty that's fun man is it once a week
1: yeah, it's once a week. It's every Wednesday. The newest one was today. I think it was the Big Show one. Oh, and uh, and yeah, man, I just, like I said, I got a soft spot for him, man. To me, pro wrestling is is the literal translation of blood, sweat, and tears on a literal canvas. Yeah. So I don't know what's more artistic than that. Sometimes it sucks, but when it's great, it's it's such a special thing, man
0: yeah and i think so doing it this way that's why when i asked do you are you well obviously you have jericho and i'm assuming you're going to talk about AEW and the business because competition i think is what made wrestling so special again in the mid late 90s uh with wcw so AEW now coming in because they're they're like the rock stars right now They're, they're like punk rock you know and
1: sure i can see that right. comparison sure. yeah
0: and it's like because that's that's every single time i get people who are like hey you watching wrestling are you checking out AEW?" like any fan that says are you checking out AEW?" because what they're doing is hip and kind of cool right now right and the new stars that they got but that kind of lights a fire under the ass of wwe too right or at least it should
1: yeah i mean i've always looked at you know competition is a very american word right like yeah. this 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 guy jumps high and this guy jumps high. Who jumps higher? Right. But for me, competition is just another word for opportunity. And you get to see a lot more wrestlers that would be held down or simply in a promotion that you wouldn't see with an opportunity on nationwide TV. Right. And then when they move on to another smaller brand, that brand can suddenly have an opportunity to grow. So long as the work's worthy of the growth. And if it is, word of mouth spreads. Wrestling. Comedy and horror evolve faster than all the other forms of art combined. Those yep. three evolve. You don't believe me? Ask James Wan. Ask him how he slaughtered the, the lovely, I know you did last summer franchise by making it not scary at all anymore. That's... <laughs> anyway, um, but comedy too, man, like jokes that worked in the 80s would drop dead today. Yeah. Uh, you know, sensibilities change, cultures change. So, and wrestling's no different. There's people that fight against the new style and will till till the day they die, but they have what they love. But that's not going to stop the evolution of wrestling. Like, it's going to keep on changing regardless of who fights against it.
0: Well, you mentioned also comedy, right? I just recently, I, I started getting back into it after a hiatus of how long. I don't know if I think I told you that, but I i gotten back up on stage in New York. I got back up stage a couple of times here. And like it's it's definitely a young man's game for sure. There's no doubt about it. But it's it's a matter also of of what are those sense and sensibilities. What 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 is happening at the moment? Well what but to me, comedy Always, no matter what, is the truest of, of art because, like, you're up there by yourself. You're the one that, you're <laughs> yeah, 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 you're the one. Like, I get, I've never been more free in my life. Like, I can, I could talk to you and have a conversation and we could have a lot of fun just talking, right? But there's something about being on that stage for 20, 30 minutes and, and just going, okay I, I i I want to make a move i want to say something that's been on my mind i can do it i don't have to i don't have to worry about the page written here i don't have to rely on whether or not this person next to me is going to be able to say something or keep up you just do what you're going to do so it is free terrifying at times but but freeing but i bring that up also because i don't think we've had the opportunity yet to talk about did you watch the comedy Store doc that was on showtime
1: yeah i did man i look man they used to let me in there when i was 12 years old yeah, I okay? yeah and right. i I was in there all the time. I mean, all the time. I watched Richard Pryor go up there when he was sick. And uh, have I told you this story before? I
0: think you definitely mentioned that you used to go there a lot and you said the people. But I'm you can you you, please tell me again.
1: Well, Richard discovered my dad. Okay, and without him, there is no Freddie (laughs) Prince. So I love Richard because without him, there's no me, and I I like me too. So, (laughs) so I used to hang with him, and he was always brutally honest to me i hang i don't mean like hang with him but i would anytime yeah. he saw me he was good to me even though him and my dad well i'll tell this too him and my dad had this terrible falling out because they were both in love with pam greer oh, and for perfect. those of you who don't know just google her she was the most beautiful woman on earth in the 70s wow. and she's still one of the most amazing women on the planet she's been a mentor to me um over the years she's always looked out for me even when i was a young actor and i had questions yeah. she's somebody who always told me to to know my value and to and to aim high and to not and to remember that it's show business and which word is bigger um so she was a big powerful energy that they both fell in love with and she wrote about this in her biography so i'm not you know telling yeah. tales or anything but she picked my dad and Richard lost his shit, and yeah. it it messed with him. He, my dad, was on a date with Pam Greer and Joanna Kearns in 1975 mm-hmm. at, at the same time. Wow. And Richard called the restaurant they were at.
0: He went out with both of them at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: awesome. Yeah, mom, my, my, I'm telling you, dude. Like, no joke. This is nothing. I, I, I there's stories I can't tell you. Dude, on the stories on the, <laughs> stories on the
0: stories on the dock blew my mind about your pops. I was like, yeah, that he, was a legend. He's
1: no joke. So. Yeah. Richard calls the restaurant and says, "Hey, Friday, I'm having a party. Why don't you bring uh, why don't you bring Pam, you guys come, come through?" Yeah." my dad says, "Yeah, okay, so he gets, he gets Pam and Joanna in the car and, and he heads over and uh, back then, Playboy had a they paid for radio time back in the day in, yeah. here in Los Angeles at night, and a lot of comics would do like a set from like you know 10 you know 11 o'clock to midnight, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad did a set that he hated. Okay. And Richard, that this fucker, takes to, got the reel. I shouldn't have said that, but took the reel and had it. And when Pam and my dad and Joanna got there, and Joanna Kearns is the one that told me this story, there's no one there. There's no party. It's just Richard. And he literally yells, right? He's like, you think this motherfucker's funnier than me? And he turns on the reel and starts playing the bad set. And my dad gets hot. My dad's six, two and a half. And he was he could fight. Okay? He used to spar with Muhammad Ali. I used to whip whip on him all the time. So uh, my dad wasn't scared of anybody. Richard was a little dude. So my dad jumps over to the coffee table, punches out Richard. Takes the reel, like a, like a, a reel, right? like So the uh, the, the, the it's not film because it's not video. But you know what I'm saying. I just don't remember the term. I he yanks that off. He, and Joanna Kern tells me the story. She goes, he takes Pam and forgot me and just left. Like I said, what? I said, what? Well, this is in a makeup trailer. And I said, what are you, What are you talking about? I go, what did, what did you do? Well, Richard got up, called me a cab and said, take your ass outside and wait for that cab. Wow. <laughs> and I slammed the door. That, and so those were like, oh, I got to hang out in that club. And so Richard yeah. one time came up. This is when he was real sick. He was in his wheelchair. Yeah. And he said, uh, he took my hand. It was real. Sh- his hand was shaky, man. And like put like chills down my, my whole spine. Yeah. And he said, uh, your father was a motherfucker, but he was a funny motherfucker. And all like the power of my body just dropped. I almost fainted for real. Like I, I like almost blacked out. And they took him up on stage to do, to do a set. And we're all sitting in the small room there, and it's so it's so tense, man. It's so it's so you could like see like when the marine layer comes in here in LA, yeah. and you have a hard time drive. It felt like that. Yeah. And his voice was real weak, and they had the mic was like curved, the 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 stand was curved, so he could he could put his rest his hand on it, sure. and he says, uh, "I was at a multiple sclerosis function with Annette Funicello." and the whole crowd is just like oh god oh god you don't want to see heroes yeah. suffer yeah and so we're just we everyone wants it to be over and painless and he says uh he looks down and and then he looks back up and he's got this evil little twinkle in his eye man and he goes and she sucked my dick and he did a five minute set of a, what a blowjob from Annette Funicello was like in front of the whole crowd, and he was ri- and he was Richard. His, yeah, yeah, you yeah. could feel his heartbeat, yeah, man, yeah. and you could literally see it pumping the 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 tension out of the room. And then after the story was over, it's about five minutes you could see he was a little tired and they came up and he said that's all I can do these days and they took him off stage and for 10 minutes straight the small room sounded like 82,000 people awesome. like no one no one could stop no one could stop clapping no one could let him go yeah. it was such a such a powerful moment so i had huge memories of that place so when the documentary was out i watched i watched all of them i watched so all true. of them
0: so that was that was my home that was my yeah. home yeah. Uh, yeah and that's where like so one of my favorite memories when i first got out to los angeles was i went there um, that was where I went, and it, the door was open because it, it's a very different place now. It's actually very, it's 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 way more legit. And like, it's like, it's people like these like workers. Like, you could just get into the comedy store. Uh, and I remember walking in there, and I was, I walked in. Nobody was working in the OR where you're just in the room you were just talking about. Yeah. And I walk in, and I stood on that stage. And whether I should have or not, I did. And I said, Prior, Carlin. Prince, all these guys have, have been here, Rob Williams. I'm like, I'm getting here. And I went that, whether it was the night or two nights later, I went to see comedy there in that room. And I will never forget the two comedians that I saw that night. It was, I don't know. Do you know, Mike Young? You've, yeah, yeah no, uh, Mike, I know Mike Mike Young and um and Bobby Lee were the two they saw and I wound up becoming um buddies with Bobby so uh and Mike and Mike so but it's just so bizarre that 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 place the magic the the watching someone and, and I'm so glad that you said that thing about how that room that's the beauty of that room is that that room to me is 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 Mickey's gym you know it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it really
1: yeah is. man that's great i love that it,
0: it is I love that. i'll steal that, that. It's, uh, please do and it's it is that it's it's mickey's gym because it's 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 that place that if you can go there i used to sometimes i'd have to i'd go up i'd go up at, at nine o'clock when it started crush then other days like, okay great you did good well rogan's doing uh about an hour and, and 30 right now and then you're going up right next go Right. You going OK, now 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 you got to go up at three, two in the morning in front of three people who are hammered and want to go to sleep and yeah. Pop sleeping in the room right now. Yeah. Like, so like that kind of stuff. So I can only imagine that was and that was that was in the early 2000s. So watching that shit go down and, and I had Mike on the director, uh, Mike Binder to talk about it.
1: I've seen Mike kill and I've seen Mike die. Yeah. In in a. I saw him once in March and on my birthday and I saw him a month later in April and he did the exact same set and it died. And it was such a perfect picture of what the stand-up comic has to go through because it's like, what do I have to do? What did I do wrong? This worked last week. It's why guys like Larry David's take the philosophy of it's not your fault. It's the audience's fault and I love that philosophy I'm not saying he's right but it's the right philosophy I think for a lot of comedic minds to take because you're not the problem you're not the problem they're programmed to receive information a specific way and they weren't programmed to receive what you were giving them that night and it's a sick way to look at it and again I've it's dead. It's not right, but it's right for the mind of the, of the artist.
0: Look, hundred percent. The way I look at it too, let's say there were 60 people or a hundred people in the room that night. Right. And you put those hundred people, let's say for that night, a hundred of those people you put in a, a specific movie, they don't like that movie, but the next night, a hundred of those people love that movie. It's just what, what audience that night saw it. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not always on the philosophy that it, I mean, like that it is the, uh, the, the, audience's fault because i do think there are ways it's
1: such a hardcore stance to take you can't believe that you can't i mean you should but you can't
0: you can't not all the way i mean but there's there because there's always ways to maneuver and i've certainly had sets when i've been up there and i'm like ah i just my my rhythm was off my mood was off and then i've got like when i did i did a set i when i I did a set of flappers like i don't know two months ago and i went in i had i had been in a very kind of silly not silly mood kind of goofy mood and then, then i just kind of got a little bummed I was a little bummed going into it. And I saw Ellis and Ellis and I was performing in the same bill that night. And I was like, I'm just not, I'm just kind of like, eh. And he's like, you're going to do well because of that. And I went.
1: <laughs> he's, I went. he's a Jedi with that stuff. Yeah, he, He's low key. Uh, not enough people. I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. Not enough people know about Mark Ellis and 100%. how how low-key sneaky funny he is man he's got a he's got a really great his the dog father what was his yeah yeah what was the name of his
0: his dog stepfather
1: dog stepfather, father yeah man he yeah. was they was real low-key with that man and more people need to oh, check that out
0: Yeah, i was there for that when he when he shot it we shot it in chicago because we did it we did a uh, schmodown event that that's we, where
1: that's where my dad recorded his only special was chicago. chicago oh really uh, it's not there anymore but at mr chow's in, oh, in okay. chicago yeah oh, man God,
0: yeah, so that's what he did he did it he did it in chicago and then we had, we did a schmodown event it was our biggest movie, like one. we like a thousand people there and then it was um but mark did his special the night before and we were all out there but yeah Mark I went and it was at the comedy so that's where Mark and I met was that well met at a barbecue at bleach blonde hair (laughs) Cut off like Metallica shirt or something, right? And he showed up to a barbecue and he's like, and, and I, was, I was a regular at the store and, and, and his buddy was like, hey, this is my buddy Mark. I went to school with his buddy and he's like, hey, so uh, my here's my friend Mark and he wants to get into comedy and everything too. So I had introduced him to a couple people and he got sets. But then years later, he, he was at the store all the time and we became friends. But I remember he did, funny enough, he did a Star Wars bit that it was in, it was in the OR. I don't know how many people were there, but he was just so quick and he was just so like the way that he put things together he was talking to the crowd and then i just shit with him all the time you know for the last like 12 years but like his mind works that way and it's also and it's a reason why i got back on stage it keeps the tools sharp man
1: like, yeah yeah you got to stay it's like a fighter you got to if you're thinking about other stuff you're going to get knocked out like you 100%. have to get you have to focus 100% and it's a really good out, outlet for <laughs> dudes like you who have the skill for it but have found success in other things and when those things start to get big or when you're still climbing, but you need yeah. something to help take it off, like you should really do that, man. And for me, it's, it's jujitsu, right? But that's I get it. John Jax Machado. So right, right. if, if you had John Jocks Machado, you would want to see him every day because he teaches me a lot about being a dad, a man, a yeah. martial artist, everything. So for me, that's where I get a lot of that, that release and that that requirement of total focus. Cause you get choked out if you don't, but dying on stage feels a lot worse than tapping out. You know, I've seen, I've seen it happen enough times.
0: Man. I'm sure. No, it's, it was, it was, I think that the biggest for me when I got back on in New York was one, was my first one coming back for a bit. And it was, it was, it, it was easier because I say that because we had a full, a room full of people who knew who we were. Right. So I actually, to me, it was like, okay, was that real? because i because these people know and I didn't, they weren't they weren't friends but they were they were people who watched the show and sure they're
1: they're wanting to laugh and be there's nobody sitting there with their arms crossed like make right. me laugh monkey boy
0: who's this asshole exactly right. 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 they're
1: exactly. all they're all wanting you to succeed
0: yes and after i was done i said yeah but i kind of need a who's this asshole crowd sure and then we did that the next night and then this and it went over even better and i was like okay then i can but do it
1: but can't you compare that to like when quarterbacks say like yo i need that first hit before i can kind of like 100 you want a little adversity to see you know yes. okay what kind of how are we gonna do this am i gonna have to shuck and jive or can i just get you with a jab like it's a it's it's a fight you know it's a it's a buck you guys are fighters
0: well would you say the same thing i mean uh, as far as like when it comes to acting right nah, nah, no nah, no not at all <laughs> No, yeah. I was gonna say, but it, because if there's a good scene and going back and forth, did you see these interviews sometimes? And you're like, oh man! And I had to, and I really understood. Like I just watched this whole thing, the the Harry Potter thing, right? And watch like Gary Oldman talking, and, and and how they're, they they like you listen to Daniel Radcliffe when he came into the. He's like, look, we thought we knew what we we're doing. We're kids, and then you look and you in there, and there's Gary Oldman, and uh, and um, uh, oh my God, uh, Alan Rickman. And you're going back and forth and you realize, oh those, those are the ones, and you they're throwing you a scene, and you're getting stronger and you're and and so that that's kind of what I meant as far as like the, the battle there, not the same because like you, like we mentioned earlier, yeah,
1: but you're you're talking about peers versus an audience, and when you're with your peers, there's a different level of respect there. Yeah. you know an audience hasn't done anything to earn your respect. You haven't done anything to earn their respect. Respect should never be given. Never. That's how heroes are made and hero worship is bad news. That's yeah. how villains are made when they're not even villains. So you, you don't want that, man. You want to earn it. Now, when you see somebody who you've watched, I never had the opportunity to work with with Alan Rickman, but my favorite villain of all time isn't Darth Vader. It's Hans Gruber because yeah. Hans Gruber would kicked the shit out of Darth Vader. Like It wouldn't even be a fight. So <laughs> he's just too smart. So you know, you, you if I you was have,
0: in a maneuver him,
1: oh my god, out him. He wouldn't even have. I mean, could he even get to him. Is the, is the yes. issue? And no, he could not. <laughs> so, so if I was in a room with him and got to do a scene with him, that's yeah. an um, that's an impressive you know person to me. That's somebody who's earned my creative respect. So I could see how they would feel like that. But for a comic, you said it. I'm not saying you said it. You are alone yeah you're alone it's right. one thing to follow joe rogan but when you're on stage that's you and that crowd and too many times the comic 90 percent of the time the comic can own that crowd right you can't own alan rickman right. period right <laughs> you know what i mean he yeah. didn't even die off the nakatomi you didn't see his body get taken away you didn't that's see true. it that's you true. didn't see it you didn't <laughs> see jeremy irons at the funeral and the sequel you didn't see that
0: but <laughs> that, that's what they're going to do they're going to wind up they're going to somehow with all the technology they have they no own. don't
1: i just ruined that franchise
0: don't i know it's not that part I think <laughs> in that franchise um so stop it stop oh, the last the last no movie, sl- there's
1: no john mcclain
0: slander allowed on your podcast i not i didn't i didn't slander him i slandered bruce willis in the last <laughs> diehard movie in a long time uh, whatever <laughs> so yeah other stuff man I mean, so the other thing i do one of the reasons you're a great follow on whether it's instagram or twitter because for the positivity that's first thing i love when you when you tweet down you're always like hey everybody what are you feeling good about today?
1: feel like, good Friday man that's from the hip-hop world that's that's not even mine I stole that
0: from Lord seer do you read them all when they come in there or a lot of them do you re- read them like- I, I read a ton
1: check it out I I heart things I reply to some some, some some people are like yo man it's payday and I'm like yo get your ass paid like I it makes me feel good I like seeing people find something that they're grateful for because things are tough you know like life's tough it's not easy it's hard and it's hard for Poor people, rich people, people in between, you know, nobody knows what somebody's suffering through. Nobody knows what, what's going on on the inside. So I don't want to sound preachy, which is why I just do it once a week on Fridays yeah. and say, hey, what, are you, what do you feel good about? But it's just a fancy way of saying, hey, let's feel grateful for something today, you know.
0: I love that. I look forward to it actually when I see it because I, was, <laughs> I really do because a, it, it is it is that smile in the face. Kind it's of. just
1: because you're a dad and you're sappy and um, cry during Survivor now probably, and all that crap.
0: Probably what it is as well. There's no doubt about it. Like I I, I when I'm watching stuff with my daughter, I watch things differently now than i used to because i watch it through, like the prequels you go back to star wars <laughs> I, I watch the prequels now like when when uh, because i watched it through my daughter's eyes and when like jar jar came on and she was like all happy and stuff i'm like oh that's what that was meant for But what am i getting mad about it I've, ste- always,
1: I've always defended that brave brave alien
0: as you should and, I, right. and I i him more now too but but more you, courageous like,
1: than the rest of us
0: <laughs> definitely was but some people think he was a sith lord um but, but it would have been a damn good sit lord too you would, would have but the other the other thing that i is that, that you cook your ass off man you've been cooking for a, a while and i love the posts of the the every time i'm always inspired to throw my grill on when i look at your instagram posts oh dude we're getting on. a new
1: we're getting a new grill put in. we're redoing getting? the whole backyard huh? i'm getting half grill half hibachi Oh, like Benny Benny style, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do breakfasts out there and just oh, throw man. it all on the damn griddle. I'm gonna yeah. do. I'm gonna get my chops down. I'm gonna be throwing knives at people and getting it like right next to your head, but I won't get you. But it'll you know enough to oh. command your respect. You know enough what I mean? to
0: wake up and watch this <laughs> chef do his thing. Yeah, for that's sure. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, when did so, you start, when did you start cooking?
1: My mom was a chef, man. So you know, it was just her and I for a long time, and then. So I learned about my grandfather being in World War II next to a, my mother in front of a stove making miso soup from scratch. Yeah. Um. And so that's where a lot of our bonding moments came. And then things got tough for her. And uh, I had to go live with my godparents, who I've told you about before, my godfather, Bob Wall, and his wife. And that's where I got to really kind of find myself, become a young man through guys like Pat Johnson um, Pat Burleson, rest in peace. He just passed away last year. Chuck Norris, uh, Judo Gene LaBelle, who's pretty yeah. sick right now, but a lot of prayers for him. He's the toughest son of a bitch on earth. Um, and uh, and my godfather, Bob, and uh, you know, they they helped, they were weirdos and psychopaths, right. and I'll say that to their face, and I have, and I have the, the scars and injuries to prove it, but the life lessons they taught me helped me navigate this business better than anyone that I've ever worked with. And I've worked with people that have succeeded at the highest of high levels and not succeeded at any level at all. And I've always been able to problem solve better than any of their asses. maybe not act better than them, but when there were problems and issues in scenes and things they couldn't work through i always was able to see solutions because that's what martial arts teaches you is it's just about problem solving that's that's all it is if his jab's quicker than yours what are you going to do you're going to keep jabbing with him or you're going to move your damn head right and so that was really uh a huge benefit to me they were the ones that really beat in that respect is earned not given that i was preaching to you that i'm trying to make you believe Christian, because I mean, that's to... what they did to me. So, you know, it, it's all I'm always I try to preach them a lot, because I'm forever grateful for what they what they taught me. And I'm, I'm glad I, I listened, not as much as I should have, but I did. And they're responsible for me having a lot of what I have, man.
0: Dude, you picked up a lot of it, too, because I, like, like I said, when you when you look at half the shit we talked about today, right, whether it's martial arts, whether it's the cooking, whether it's comedy, whether it's, you know, all this stuff that you've done. So and I think I asked you this last time, but I, I just want to just for the newer audience too. you. Did you ever attempt to do stand up? I know that you. Hell no. Never Are went. you
1: crazy? Yeah. Hell, no, <laughs> I no, I made a promise to myself a long time ago never to step on the same wood that that man stood on it felt awkward to me even doing the tonight show back in the day with jay because he moved his stage to my dad's old stage on right. nbc right. and i felt real shaky like going out there i wasn't sure if he had been on the snl stage uh like with a friend or something when i hosted snl yeah i got this weird flash where i was like yo he hasn't he he hasn't been here has he and you know, like it just, it cre- it creeped me out. So I've never, never won. Josh made me do our podcast one time um, live Yeah. and he was going to perform at the club. And the only reason I did it is because it wasn't really like a club. It was a restaurant and a hotel. Okay. And so we did it. And I even during, while we were doing it, I said, just so we're clear, I hate this this is horrible i don't want to hear you guys laughing at us i don't want to hear you guys enjoying yourselves at all this is a nightmare experience for me and it really was like they were laughing when i'm saying that and i'm glad they had a good time but it was legit like and i was laughing it off too but i hated
0: it's just every second of it so it's just and it's is that go back to what we were talking about before like is it respect thing you just you because it's a lot of things. It's yeah. Respect
1: is a big part of it. Another right. part of it is, is is I don't know, I don't really believe in ghosts. But, you know, when you're a junior uh, and you're in puberty, you feel like a statue built to honor that which walked before you. Right. And then when you grow up and you have that same name and you end up in the same industry he's in, you feel like you're chasing a ghost, right? Like your goals are his goals, not your goals. Right. Right. At least for me, this is for my, what my experience was. And then eventually I accomplished all my goals by age 30. I was, I had a number or not a number one show, but we were number one in our time slot. It was a sitcom just like my dad did. Mm -hmm. I put it in his name, which was Hungarican, which was at the end of every show. Mm-hmm. I was the the youngest creator EP writer and lead of a show in the history of of Warner Brothers and ABC and I and everything that I had wanted to pull off was within that show at the end and I it happened and then I was done. And then you yeah. know you keep doing jobs cuz the money out here is so sweet and then uh the WWE saved my life, man. Like yeah. I went to WrestleMania lady said, you should work here. Her name's Kristen Proudy. I'll never forget her. I talked to Steph. I talked to Vince. He called me son, which for a kid who didn't grow up with a dad is like kryptonite for Superman. I'll do whatever he says. (laughs) He's the third. Yeah. So he goes, we could really use you here, son. And I was like, oh, man. I hadn't even asked Saria. I hadn't even asked her. Like I'm on a train from Stanford back to our apartment in New York. I call her up. I say, hey, uh, I, uh. She's got a job with uh, WWE. She goes, "What? You're gonna fucking wrestle?" I was like, "I said, I said, no." She goes, "Freddie, you're not wrestling." Uh, and so- I was like, "I go, no, I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write." She goes, "What are you talking about?" And I explained the job to her. Right. She was like, "You're out of your mind." But I love you. Have fun. That's and awesome. Instead of getting a check, I asked if they would just pay me in stock, oh. and uh, and they did and it was the only probably good stock investment i ever made which wasn't even an investment (laughs) and then uh we sold it all last year and it was so yeah man it was like wrestling wrestling gave me the whole like second half of my life you know what i mean like so i you know we were in hawaii looking at property out there so I can get, I'll get big and fat and tan and look like probably, I'll probably look Samoan. I'll get <laughs> tattoos. It's
0: cooking on the beach?
1: I'll start my own indie Samoan wrestling company where you Hell can't yeah. wrestle unless you're Samoan, even though the promoter has no Samoan within him whatsoever. That would be nice. I'd be a good heel.
0: I'd be a good heel character. hundred the non, percent. The non-Samoan Samoan. Oh, dude, that's that's great, man. I didn't realize. I knew that. I mean, obviously, you worked there. And then you well, you went back though. when When did when did you go back? How many years? It was like two years ago. I years? went to no, it, just,
1: it it was only about a year after yeah. I had quit, oh, oh. and I I went early to SummerSlam when it was still in LA. Okay. And I was uh talking to to Big Show, and he said Vince is down by the ring. They want to. This guy came up, said Vince's ringside. He wants to talk to you. I was like, oh, cool, man. So I go down. I talk to Vince. And uh, he's he's on the headset talking to Kevin Dunn in the truck. Yep. And uh, I hear him go, hold on a second. I got your favorite guy here, <laughs> which means Kevin fucking hates me, I guess. Man. And uh, so he puts down the headset, and he goes, oh, it's good to see you. You look good. You look healthy. Da, da, da. I go yeah right on. You still look like RoboCop, very cool. Because he looks like his body looks like yeah. the shell of RoboCop. Like yeah. the, it looks like armor, right? Yeah. And he's by the way, he's never seen RoboCop. He didn't know what the fuck
0: that. No, is. You're right. Uh, so, you know, it was an insult or a compliment?
1: No, no. He doesn't know who RoboCop is. Yeah. Why would he? So uh he says, you know, just a couple sentences in that he would like for me to come back, and I, I say I, I just can't. You know, I got a kid now, and yeah. I really want to be a good dad. That's why I left the first time. And uh, he says, well, you can make your schedule. And I go, I wouldn't even know how to, like, make a schedule, Vince. You know, he goes, just come for pay-per-views. And so I go, this is is the time he called me son. He goes, son, you can just come for pay-per-views. And I literally was like, oh. Right, that's what had to all right. Do. I'll I'll Man. just come for pay per views, <laughs> and that turned into coming every other week. And that was when we started the promo class, oh, where right. it was literally having gigantic wrestlers doing exactly. acting class exercises like repetition <sighs> and stuff. It was hysterical. Did they
0: that? Did they? Did,
1: did, did no? I promised them that I would never. Um, but I kept journals of everything. Oh, wow. and uh, but that's how I got the most out of them was by earning their trust and saying, yeah, "Look, yeah. no agents ever going to hear about any of this." And the only time Vince is going to hear anything is when you guys crush it, and I can say, "Hey, give Eve Torres more more to do because her acting skills yeah. are getting way better than you realize." Like that kind of crap. Yeah. So everyone believed me, and I kept that promise. But I did uh, write a bunch of journals and a lot of like what I was going through at that time. The yeah. the funniest moments in there. I mean, we had Big Show came in and said, "Hey, I want to do the monologue, the Christopher Walken monologue from Pulp Fiction." Okay. And I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He goes, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut the. He called it a promo. He goes, I'm gonna cut the promo on on Swags Horn Swoggle Dylan. Yeah. I go, you have him be the young Bruce Willis. He goes, yeah. I go, all right, man. So this was like the first time a, a, a top tier talent was gonna put over my acting class, right? Mm-hmm. It was all the young bucks until he came, and then some of the older bucks started coming in after mm-hmm. Big Show opened that door, right? So he comes in and he cuts his, and it's beautiful, man. He's like so tender with it. He does it in a very different way, man. And it's like, it's special. And at the end, everyone's clapping. I'm like, dang, thank you so much. That helped the clap, gave them so much courage. I know they're going to like step on more now. He's like, oh, no, my pleasure. You know, I want to learn too. I want to learn too. I'm like, dude, you already know what's up. He's like, no, I really do. Always trying to get better, that guy. Yeah. So he leaves the next week, and I'm not going to say the wrestler's name because it's an embarrassing story. And unless I had his permission explicitly, I won't say it. But he says, "Hey, I want to take a shot at the Christopher Walken speech, the one your show did." And I'm like, "Dang, yeah, all right." And he starts, but he does. It. He's-,
0: he's doing a
1: I- <laughs> He does the Christopher Walken voice, oh, right? No. Okay. So he's like now little man i don't do a good but he didn't either so that's probably pretty but no. on. No. and he finishes and I don't, I don't have the heart to stop him because he's got the guts you know and i don't know if it's a rib i don't what? you know and about halfway through i realized oh he's really doing this but i can't stop him now like there's nothing in my i should have maybe but I, nothing in like half of me is like for the rib yeah. it's gonna be great and the other half was like i don't have the heart to like Jump on this guy and be like, "Stop! Save yourself!" Rex. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I thought I'd make it worse. So anyway, he finishes. He says, "And now, little man, <laughs> I give the watch to you." And it's super quiet. No one says anything. And then Matt Cardona. <laughs> then Matt Cardona goes. Why the hell did you do a Christopher Walken impression? <laughs> and the whole room just starts dying. And this guy stands up and the chair flies from behind him and he storms out of the acting no. class. Like st- he was so mad. Oh, and he no. stormed out, and the word di- I'm literally like, on the ground. Uh. I can't. I have asthma, okay? I'm like almost have an asthma attack on the ground. Cardona's like die laughing, but dumbstruck at the same time. Neidhart can't stop saying the same sentence, which is why did he do a walking accent? Why did he like we were there, yeah, like 13 Uh-oh. of us in there at the time. What a fun and it, yeah, man. it's like I got to have that every friggin' week. Yes, yeah, so every my, week.
0: My big show story is when I first got there and I had to walk, I had to walk into the locker room and he's oh. fucked naked and it was like a rhinoceros penis, just like that sucks so fun. bad. <laughs> terrible. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, so this job is horrible. <laughs> like, Great. Like,
0: there you go. And then uh but but either either way, man, like so I was I'm assuming s- stories like that are what people yeah. are gonna hear on your show.
1: Lots of stories like That's that. Fantastic. When That's fantastic. I met, I didn't get to see uh Big Show's humongous penis. Yeah. But uh, the first time I met him, Vince had me trying to put over a new kind of match where he was gonna. He was describing it, okay, and there were three ways the match could finish. And he goes, "You're gonna write this promo," and he's gotta, he's gotta describe the match and put it over. So it's like a you know 127 page promo, yeah. but I'm <laughs> done with it. And uh, I don't even get to meet Big Show. They email it to him. They won't even give me his email address. So it's early in my in my career, yeah. so to speak. And I'm in the writer's room at the arena, and the door flies open. And Big Show, and he's holding the pages. And It was like five pages, dude, for real. Yeah. And he goes, who the fuck wrote me War and Peace? And I literally <laughs> said, my head was in my head, and i put my I'm like, brother, it's me. Let me work on it with you. We'll cut whatever you want. Uh, and we found a quiet space. And he's like, you can't write five. Book- I go, I know, man. Look, here's what we're tasked with. I'm new. I knew it was too much when I wrote it. Let's find the key parts and we'll chew up all the fat and just get rid of it. Wow. And he's like, all right, you got to do better. I go, I know I got to do better, but this is the best I could do today. Let's uh, we'll trim it up. I go, I'll show you how I memorize stuff. Maybe yeah. it'll help you. And so I showed him my technique, and he thought it was bullshit. And then a month later, he started doing it, which was cool. But, uh, but yeah, like those were learning experiences for me, man. Like I had to learn how to write wrestling because you know the way I did it, as he said, fucking sucks.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I could, I could I, look. I saw a lot of that stuff when I was there too. And like you, so but that, my my question is, how, so how old were you when you start the, your first run when you started there?
1: Oh shit, man! Don't make me do math. Everyone's gonna see how stupid I am. I was there in 07. Okay,
0: so you were so you were like
1: 30, 30 32 33 32. somewhere in there man okay, somewhere so,
0: in there. So The reason I asked that is because like at that point you'd already done uh, because that's I also think that it just show it just shows a, a it shows you from what I got to know of you over the last like 5 6 years that you just, you're you're a pretty humble dude, right? And you're also it's one of those cuz you you could have been the dude that was like, "Well, I've been in movies. I've did this, you know, my dad was." And you're not that guy. And instead you go there and you have that conversation where cuz what I'm curious is, did they were there had to be a ton of ribbing with you about movies that you were in, things that you were doing. Like they break your balls when you first get there, right?
1: Yeah, but yes, but I'm an I'm an old school guy, okay? I'm 45 years old, so I don't mind earning it, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. mind doing things And you making it hard to see if I have it because when I do, you have every time you see my face, you have to know how wrong you were, and that and that you were the one to fail, not me. Like I love the way that feels. I don't need internal motivation. People shitting on you is plenty. You know what I mean. I'd rather save that energy to come up with ideas, right? So when I got there, like JBL, his name for me was just Scooby. Like that
0: was it, Scooby. Oh, he called you Scooby, right? Okay. John
1: John Cena's name called me Ashton Kusher. Right. He's like, <laughs> he hated me, right? I'll Why tell you, he... I'll tell you a great okay. So okay, okay, okay. So Sorry. we were I just Leo gets that the whole podcast right there. Yeah. So we're doing an acting class. It's it's Hawkins and Ryder, and they're doing a scene from Bad Boys. I was letting them pick scenes they liked, and then I would type it all up for them do the pages on so they didn't have any of those responsibilities just let's break down scenes and and try to make these work right so we're in the middle of the scene and john cena walks right in the room and he sits right in between them or sorry grabs a chair opens it up puts it in between hawkins and Ryder, sits down and is just staring right at me and i'm looking at him and i'm not a reactionary dude okay so like when i see a challenge like this or a confrontation or speed bump however big or small it is before, I, I'm not uncomfortable with silence. So I sit there and I'm just looking at him. And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not going to fight him. He looks like the actual... Thing. Like he looks like Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four, right? He really does. So yeah. So you know, I'm like, what is he? What's his motivation? What is right. he wanting to do here, right? Like that's my my brain. Whether you compliment me or criticize me, I'm always. If it's a compliment, I'm like, oh, he's got a script he wants me to read. Right. And if it's a criticism, I'm like, ah, oh, his girlfriend drug him to one of my movies. Like I, I don't know what else he could be mad right. about. because I don't do anything to anybody. So right. I'm sitting there, and these thoughts are all going through my head, and and and. Cardona and and Hawkins are both uh, are both there. They're not going to say anything. John's the man, right? And I respected John when I got there, and I didn't like John, but during my time there, I respected him. He took he had to wear that G-rated crown. And other dudes could have done it, but they didn't want it. Triple H right. could have held that crown during that time and carried the company, but he wanted to do his DX grown-up stuff. And Cena was like, yo, give it to me. I'll take it. The people are going to hate me, but I'll take it. So I have big respect for that. But I'm not going to let him destroy the class. Right. So I go, hey, man, do you need to talk to me outside? And it gets like crazy tense in the room, right? And he goes, yeah. And we go outside. And, and he'll admit to all this. It's not a big deal. Right. And so we go outside. And I go, dude, what the hell are you doing, man? What's going on? And these are his words. He goes, look, maybe I'm a Neanderthal, but you either know how to act or you fucking don't. And I'm like, all right, man, fair enough. And I was very direct with, I think confrontation is good. I think conflict is good. I think most of the time, that's the only way to properly resolve a situation. I'm not saying violence. I'm just saying, it's good to argue. That's how you figure crap out. So I say, and, and to be honest and direct. And so I say to him, I go look, man, these guys can't do what you do. But some of them have a certain amount of talent and it's my job to help get him there. And if you're not going to do it, I damn well have to. Right. And he didn't say anything for a second, so I knew I right away I was like, "All right, he's going to chill." And he goes, "Well, whatever, you can do it or you can't." And he storms off. I go back in and uh Cardona's like, "Man, I thought you guys were going to fight." I was like, "Man, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I'm not trying to not trying to fight the WWE man. champion, bro." Yeah. We'll see how we so see-
0: the champion at the time
1: i'm sure he him or randy yeah, yeah so uh so the class is over we do the show it was a, it must have been a monday night raw because it was cena interrupted the class and he was the raw guy yeah and so we're on the jet flying to the tuesday night taping which was when they used to film smackdown when i worked yeah, there yeah yeah and i get on the jet vince has like a or whatever a g whatever just five four whatever it is And uh, he's a germaphobe. So there's hand sanitizer all over the place. And he grabs some hand sanitizer, puts it in his hands, holds it out for me, gestures for me to sit down across from him. He wants to talk to me. So I put my hand out and he starts squeezing the hand sanitizer. And he keeps squeezing it and he keeps squeezing it. And it's just piling up in my hand. And again, I'm not a reactionary dude. I always think, like, what's the motive? Right. So in my head, I'm like, what the hell is he doing right now? He knows I'm not going to dump it on his friggin g 27 billion whatever it's called so he's just trying to see what i'm gonna do all right fine so i wait till it's empty it's one of those small little bottles i let him do the whole thing i smile in his face i say i go in the bathroom i slap it in the sink clean off my hands i sit down i go what the hell you were trying to do man and he's like ah and Kevin thinks it's the greatest break ever Kevin Dunn's like oh that's fantastic boss <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, i don't do a good Kevin Dunn no, it's, it's, and i, I do he, ha- he laughs at everything everything, vince does, vince. everything. So, so Vince is like it's like smee yeah he's like vince is like well welcome to the club and kevin's yeah. like ah, I had a club the club yeah. and so you know, it's an awkward environment and then he laughs and he goes so i heard you had a or you had a tough day today and i go oh, yeah what would you hear And he says, ah, I talked to Cena. And I go, yeah. I go, he didn't seem to be too crazy about me. And he goes, "I don't worry about it. I'm the only one that can fire you. And I said, OK, cool. That's good to know. And in my head, I'm like, all right, so if there's any more problems, I have more freedom than I thought. Like, I can report to Vince crap if I need to and have more of a line of communication. And after that, he and I started to get pretty cool, man. He was, he was, and I earned, I earned John's respect eventually. He was backstage. And a guy I had in the ring crushed a crushed a promo that we had been working on, and he was like, uh, "He goes, it was the best he could muster." He goes, "Hey, that was that was really good." And I was sitting next to Vince, and I know sold it. I I chose pettiness instead of kindness, and so I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And I just stayed right on the monitor, and Vince's elbow, and me, which was either "Oh, fuck off" or "Hey, good job." I don't I didn't know how to interpret it. And then, and all the guys there that hated me, like MVP yeah. hated me when I was there. And now he and I are still like this today. Like we yeah. talked jujitsu together and I cried when he got his, he got his belt promotion. Like yeah. it's yeah. a big, we have a tight relationship. JBL, JBL didn't call me Freddie until I written this promo for him that Vince said was shit. And Vince, Vince rewrote it. And um, I I disagreed with Vince's take. Yeah and he wrote it rewrote it and said you tell john to say this word for word said, "All right." so i give jbl the promo i go hey man vince said we got to do it this way and we got to do it word for word." and john's like all right don't worry i'll take care of it i go you don't want to work on it and he goes no nah, no nah, i worked with vince longer and i worked with you scooby the fuck out of here like <laughs> dude all right whatever good right. luck so i walk away i'm like this is gonna be a friggin shit show. Cause the promo Vince wrote was not good. Like the yeah. promo I wrote was good. And the promo yeah. that he wrote was not good. It was very simple. And so we go out there and I'm sitting in gorilla and John goes out of the curtain. For those who don't know, gorilla is like the backstage position where the boss watches the show. And yeah. as soon as you finish your match and come back, he could let you know whether he loved it, hated it, or was indifferent with just a look or no look. Right. So John goes out there and he, he cuts the promo that he and I worked on the one that i wrote word for word doesn't say anything that vince says and vince is just hammering me dude like i'm sitting right next to him and and kevin's not helping kevin's like well this is the wrong fucking promo and just like burying me and vince is like i told you and at this moment i have a choice to make i can either be like man fuck this i told him fuck him he took what was better because that's better because he's right and i was right Right. But instead, I I go, I, uh, it's my job, even though JBL's over, it's my job to, to eat the bullet. And I can eat the bullet because he said he's the only one who can fire me. If he's going to fire me, whatever. Right. I live in New York already. I'll, I'll get home just fine. <laughs> right. So I say, I go, look, man, I, I know what you said, but I just, I know my promo was better. I didn't even let him see it. I trashed it, and I told him Vince approved it and just fucking rock and roll. And he was like, God damn, he's just going bananas on me, right? And he's like, get the fuck out of here. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'm out of here. I take my headset off. I throw yeah. it down on the table and I storm off, pissed off, right? And and everybody's mad. And JBL comes back, or so I heard, right, from Freebird. And uh, Vince is going in on him and and John's like, what? And he goes, oh, no, I he told me to. And, and JBL laid on the grenade and told the truth. And so that was when JBL respected me because i didn't throw him under the bus yeah. and I, I took the bullet and vince respected me because i took a bullet when he realized guy. what the right. truth of the situation was and that was when my ideas started to get over a lot more yeah. Yeah. with vince he had a little bit more respect for me yeah, after see, that, that's
0: the thing though man i think that that's the, and i know we gotta you gotta get going here um but uh the, the thing with you though i think that that's that's as you mentioned before, there's a perception, right? And like, even I remember, I remember. I don't know if I ever told you this. I it's the first time I ever, never met you, but I had seen you. I was doing, I was at the Ha Ha Comedy Club in, where the in, in like Burbank or Yeah. It was. Yeah. And you were there and you were watching the show. And I was like, is that the guy from, I know what you did last summer. I'm like, I like that movie. I like Prince Jr. I'm like, all right, he's going to watch my, sh- he's going to watch the set. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to crush it. And you left before I went up.
1: Uh, <laughs> I um, was there with Dan Ferguson to see a comic he was going to have on Conan, and we wrote, split wrote, after the like Comic I Club. Split, yeah.
0: after, split after that, and I was like, "You son of a, son of a bitch!" In end, you know, <laughs> oh
1: no, you hate Oh, you hated.
0: Me. No, no reason at all, and I'm like, "Ah, fine." You don't There's want to never see a movie. reason. It's okay. <laughs> of course, not. and then obviously years later, um, we, we and, and oh, and then I think that uh, there was another time randomly. You were out with your wife at some, and uh, so I was out with my wife uh, for our anniversary very kindly walked in he's and you just, just locked i said how's it going man I said, hey how's it going i was like oh I was like, and i was like and i told my wife the story about the ha and i go no, i was wrong he seems like a nice guy <laughs> and, and and then years later uh, we, we became buddies so look at this this, this small world the small world but uh this is why this is all to talk to you man so i'm glad i'm glad that we got a chance to talk again um and thanks for joining me on the new show because this is really this is kind of what i love to do um and i'm glad that i got to do it with you
1: all you, all you, you right brain crazy folk have to break away from the system and and do yeah. your own thing. I think to to be truly satisfied and to and to have true su- success. And while they may be a part of the foundation of your success, you guys need to go and and do your thing. And I and I think you'll be really satisfied. And I know you'll be very successful, man. So I'm happy for you.
0: Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it, and thank you for coming on. I look forward to uh, seeing some more. Stuff. I'm gonna be looking at your posts. I'm gonna see what you what you've been cooking up. So, ladies and gentlemen, please check out Freddie Prince Jr. and check out check out the show, guys. Because uh, one more time, it is Wrestling with Freddie. You can get it now. Uh, I just subscribed to it. You should do the same. Check it out. Obviously, you hear a ton of stories like that, and and a lot of great ones. So, the great Freddie Prince Jr. Everybody, we shall see you next time. Catch us the big thing. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of it. All right, everybody. Peace out.